1: Ah.
2: When I found you, I thought you'd been dead for days. Well, you were stinking already, and you had bugs all over you, and bone was coming through, right there. I was going to give you a proper burial, and then you coughed. nearly shit myself. I reckoned you were going to die by the time I loaded you on the wagon, but you didn't. Now, I reckon you'd die a dozen more times over the next few days, but you didn't. What kept you going? Hate. There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill.
3: Hey, Throners, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason.
4: I'm Melissa.
3: And I am Duncan. And this is Game of Microphones, episode 22. We're on 222 on Walking Dead Cast and 22 oh. on Game of Microphones. Uh, Serendipitous. Yeah. What are the chances? Speaking of Walking Dead Cast, welcome Duncan and Melissa. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs>
5: <laughs> glad to be here glad to be here. I wonder yeah, how
3: I feel like this is going to be different from our fear the walking dead casts oh, episodes oh. We'll How see. so
5: there'll be slightly less discussion of conspiracy theories I imagine because I don't know
1: what
3: yeah. I could
5: say that would apply to game
3: of thrones I have a question about libertarians I'm going to ask you later so
1: Ooh. <laughs> oh man
5: putting me on the spot
3: um and plus I know you got neither of you have actually seen game of thrones so that should be interesting
5: yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I have no idea what I'm in for. It's pretty exciting. actually.
3: <laughs> so you guys how, how you've been fans since Duncan, I know you're huge into all the ancillary materials, the books and comics and everything. Have you been a fan of the books since before the show came on? Or did you get into it after?
5: I got into it way after, partway through season four. I had actually um, heard little things about Game of of Thrones here and there. Didn't really think, based on what I'd heard, that I would be a fan of it, which is interesting because I've been kind of into politics a bit, you know, but I hate politics, so I figured I wouldn't like the TV show. Mm -hmm. One day, I was kind of sitting there bored, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll try putting on the pilot episode, and within the first five minutes, I was hooked. I knew that I was going to love the show, so I marathoned the entire show, ordered my HBO subscription, and the first episode that I ended up watching live was The Mountain versus the Viper, where the mountain ends up crushing the Viper's head, and oh. I was just shocked watching <laughs> that live. It was yeah. totally blew my mind. So after that season was over, and I realized I had another year until I could get more Game of Thrones, I started fiending out and um, immediately ordered the audiobooks on Audible, which was oh. amazing. So I've listened to the audiobooks two times now and Damn. read the uh I listened to the audiobooks as well for um the Duncan Egg novel novellas, which are about Sir Duncan the Tall, kind of a hundred year prequel to Game of Thrones and the Song of Ice and Fire, and geeked out on hundreds of hours of podcasts with audio commentary, speculating about mysteries within the books and analyzing things and yeah, pretty, pretty hardcore. Game of Thrones action for awesome. the past couple of years. God,
4: you just made me feel very inept.
3: <laughs> How, I mean, not
4: in a bad nah, way, but
3: in a good way. How?
4: You made me feel inept <laughs> in a good way. It
5: just—it just means you have a lot more to look forward to, Melanie. I
4: know. How um, what about I'm you, excited. Melissa?
3: Have you been fan, a fan? How long have you been a fan? I
4: have. Well, I in fact now I'm trying to do the math on the time I read before seeing the show. Uh, I read the first two, and in fact, this is going to be horrible. I hate to admit it, but I've only gotten through two books, because when I finished the second one, that was when it uh, it was starting to air on HBO, and I started watching the show.
3: Right when it first started up?
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, uh, that's cool. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I was on board right when it, because I'd read the first two books, and I was like, holy shit, this is good. They're making a show. Yeah, you know, like, oh, cool. I'm just, you know, I'm a huge fan of this genre in general. I know we often discuss the zombies and the horror genre, but fantasy is, I mean, hello, you know, going to Middle Earth and doing such vacations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love the fantasy (laughs) genre.
3: I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this podcast, but when it was announced that Game of Thrones was going to be on HBO, that was when I first heard about it, and a friend of mine was into the books, but he never talked about it until then, and... He said, oh, yeah, you got to watch. It's going to be so good. And so I didn't I've never read. I I started to read the first book just out of curiosity because it was sitting on my wife's nightstand. And I quickly realized, wow, you know, especially early on the show really it closely hues to the book and it just didn't feel inspired to read the books. I thought, no, I want to experience this. I started watching the show and I want to experience it at least the first mm-hmm. time around through the show. Unlike Walking Dead, where I read the comic and the book and uh, and watch the show and I enjoy that. But with Game of Thrones, oh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty committed to just staying away from the books until the whole thing is over and then I might go through and, and read them all. But I think it's fun on the podcast and I think a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts have people who are very well versed in the books and then you get the perspective of the others who haven't read them so hopefully that works well with this alright let's get into it so it's our top three highlights of Game of Thrones season six episode seven the broken man which I enjoy it I feel like we're in the part of the season where things are where the pieces are being moved around the board and in a very strategic way to set up the coming mind-blowing conflict.
4: Yeah. How many more episodes are left? Actually, three this? more three after this. Okay, yeah. there's three more. All right.
3: And then possibly only thirteen more after that.
4: No, mm. I know. Oh, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. I hate that so much. I know. Like when Downton Abbey ended. Sorry, that might just be me, but um. What if they yeah, did I a spinoff, a Tyrion?
3: Tyrion and the Dragons or something
4: <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would watch it
3: <laughs> I loved it I thought it was really entertaining too and uh, and some good great moments and a return of a beloved character so overall I give mm-hmm. it an enthusiastic thumbs up what about you guys
4: I too gave it an enthusiastic thumbs up I don't really know if I've seen an episode of Game of Thrones that I dislike um, but right <laughs> I know it it was definitely. I knew something special too was was right around the corner when they started the show with uh, cold open nature scenery. But then there's there's like gently playing the theme song, but in kind of oh, you know just different kind of way. I was like, wait a second, something interesting is about to happen because normally they just start right with the, the theme yeah. I read this is the first time
3: they've ever opened with what... That's what it's called, a cold open, when they just start showing the scene, except for the season premieres.
4: Yeah. Can't wait for next week.
3: Duncan?
5: I can hardly contain my excitement (laughs) um, being able to podcast about this episode with the return of The Hound, who is Mm. in my top five favorite Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire characters. So I am just... Over the moon right now, that's cool Amazing Did you episode. were you pretty
3: sure he was alive?
5: um yeah, yeah, I was pretty I, confident at least in the books i right. I don't know, I didn't know how it was gonna play out on t v but uh, I had heard a few months back that they had cast um what's the actor, the guy that played the in Ian tonight's McShane. episode in mcshane <sighs> i uh he had mentioned that, oh, I'll be responsible for bringing back a character you guys like and i was like oh man like i know i know now it's going to be the hound i kind of mm. got spoiled on it but um yeah i was i was really excited for tonight as soon as i saw the title of the episode the broken man i knew it was going to happen
3: cool all right let's get into it we are doing a top 3 since there's three of us melissa why don't you go first
4: well it just it has to first of all i'm hooked on another hbo show i still haven't finished which is crazy but that show happens to be deadwood so i was like oh shit it's the Deadwood guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes, yeah, so it was really cool. Uh that just again that opening scene with the the cold open uh with the music and then we see Ian McShane and then all of a sudden we see the hound. And I was like, Oh shit. I knew it. I knew. I knew that I I mean I didn't know he was still alive, but I had a very strong feeling that we hadn't seen the last of him, and I just happened to love Ian McShane as well um, as an actor, so it was really cool to see him, even though apparently it just turned out to be a bit part, yeah. but um, uh, it, that was a really good way to start the episode.
3: Great I didn't way. you know, even consider that the Hound would come back until I started hearing Mr. Mm-hmm. Blog talking about it.
4: I
5: know it seemed so unlikely, right?
3: Yeah. And I remember watching back when Brienne beat him to death and threw, you know, knocked him off that cliff. And then he was asking Arya to finish him off out of mercy and she wouldn't oh. do it. And I was so mad at her after that. I, I was know like, his come oh. on, Jesus Christ. You know, you, you guys have formed a bond and right. please just do him a solid and put him out of his misery. But I guess it was okay that she didn't, because now he's alive, so.
5: Yeah, and his acting in that scene, the actor Rory McCann, like, just heartbreaking, the way he was begging Arya to kill him, is just brutal, brutally amazing to watch.
4: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So... Uh it, yeah, I I have to back you up, Duncan, because we were talking before the podcast started, and I ju- I was looking around my room here, and I have this portal gun, and I have uh, Rick Grimes' gun belt sitting over here. So <laughs> I was asking Duncan, just hey, do you happen to have any props from from movies or prop replicas? And you you said you have the Hound's helm. So I'm like, yeah, I guess you like that character.
5: I do, yeah, I really <laughs> do like that character. He's he's just um. At the surface, he's just a horrible, evil, bad monster of a person. But I feel like his character is one of the most richly complex, deep characters in the entire universe that we have here to analyze. And um, I feel like at his core, he's more more of a true knight than most of the knights in Westeros.
3: Right, a true knight because he refuses to be a knight because he doesn't respect the institution pretty much right, mm-hmm. but yeah. he when he does something that means when he does something good, that means he's doing it because he believes in it, not because someone else is telling him to,
5: yep, and like when the uh, the brother Brotherhood without banners had had him under arrest and made him you know trial by combat for his life, they were saying, "Oh, you killed all these people," and he's like, "I was a king's guard, I was being ordered to do this, you know so i mean e- yeah, it's bad what he was doing. No question about it. But he wasn't making the, uh, the he decisions. He enjoyed it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely enjoyed it. <laughs> at least in, in some part.
3: Great area, but yeah. I, I I would also say the broken man is the title of this, and I would say it refers. It might refer to a few different things, but the main mm-hmm. thing is the hound, and not only because he almost he had a near death experience. And he's now figuring out, you know, how to put himself back together. But he's always been a broken man because mostly of who his brother is and what his brother did to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. So he's had a shitty life. <laughs> yeah,
5: and yeah. The, uh, the, the title of the Broken Man comes from a speech from the uh, the, the books given by a Septon, who's it's kind of who he, Ian McShane is playing possibly in this episode, but Septon Marybald, who goes on to describe the way that Characters um, can go through warfare and trauma and be fine up until, you know, they could survive a hundred battles or a thousand battles, but then something can happen that just shatters their psyche and leaves them broken. And I feel like that moment for the Hound was at the Battle of Blackwater Bay where he was surrounded by fire and death and he just had this moment where... It was too much for him, like he he was traumatized by the fire from his brother when he was a child, holding his face in the flames, um just for borrowing his little toy knight, you know, and yeah. uh, it just came back with a vengeance at at the Battle of Blackwater, and he's he's broken
3: with all that wildfire from the magic, yeah, yep, so. You know, I thought the whole purpose of Ian McShane's character, Ian McShane, McShane is a fairly big actor. Like you mentioned, he was on Deadwood and he's mm-hmm. been in American Horror Story. He's actually been in, on TV since he was on Dallas in the 70s and back wow. in the 60s. Yeah, he's got, his career Not goes ways that. back. He was but, good. Uh, I liked him. Yeah, he was great. And I think his he basically functions as, you know, the hound has an opportunity to sort of remake himself after what happened. And here he's hooked up with this group that shows him kindness when almost no one else ever has. And there's preaching peacefulness and friendliness and, you know, renouncing violence. And so I think Ian McShane's character, Ray is sort of like, Oh, this could be a potential model for him. And then it's like, no, Definitely. that doesn't really work in this world. And I thought it was so Game of Thrones to have all these peace-loving people just get slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> it I, was. Was... I know
4: <laughs>
3: that's what this show is like. You know, you can't you can't do that in this show. So then he picks up his axe, and I guess he's going off to get revenge. But what do you guys think? He's where is he going?
4: <laughs> that whole scene was just like because it. You know, he f- he found someone that he seemed like could reason with him in the ways of like you know not peace per se, but just becoming okay with healing and moving on and it was just like oh god nope <laughs> nope uh, i think he's probably going to go kill the motherfuckers who did it yeah is what i think before personally. this
3: all happened he had arya he was going to extract a ransom and then he mentioned to her he might go to the free cities and be a sellsword uh mm. so he's sort of aimless but now right. maybe he's got revenge as a motive.
4: Well, and he looked when when those there were those three dudes rode up and were like, "You're basically saying, hey, what you know, what do you guys have? What basically, what what do we want to take from you?" He was in the background, and you could see he was looking at them in a sketch sketchy way, like he yeah. was already on guard. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, those
3: are guys are from the Brotherhood without banners, who are the ones that had him and Arya and Gendry captive. Yeah, they made him do his trial
5: by combat. Yeah, um, which I mentioned earlier.
3: So he doesn't have, he hasn't had great experiences with them already. It
5: it also it seems like like those guys are from the Brotherhood without banners because they said, you know, be careful because the night is dark and full of terrors. That could have been a reference to the Brotherhood without banners from these guys who may be in a separate group. I'm not saying it is, but he thought they were. Yeah, he definitely thought they were. I I also think they are. But um, don't you think it's kind of interesting because in season two, weren't the Brotherhood without banners kind of fighting for the small folk,
6: protecting yeah. people like and Robin you know, Hood.
5: yeah, kind of like Robin Hood, get, stealing anti- from the rich, giving to the poor? So what happened? Something something seems like is it's different in this case now because they're going around robbing the small folk. Maybe they're under a different leadership. Maybe right. something strange has happened.
3: Or, you know, I don't necessarily think this is the case, but one possibility is that I mean, the way they had those evil looks on their faces as they were warning them, you know, they basically were like the mob. Oh, we'll protect you. They were like mobsters, but it's possible that they were being sincere and that somebody else killed all those people Mm -hmm. because we didn't see it happen.
5: Yeah, it's it's entirely possible also. I was wondering about that. Before they rode up and confronted the, uh, the group of the, uh, you know, the Arceptin Ray, I think his name is his flock. There was a great moment where he was talking with the people about all the bad stuff he's done and how it's not, it's not too late to start doing good. And, um, did you guys pick up on his Rick Grimes line there?
4: Uh. <laughs> no, it's, like, it's
5: never too late to come back. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's looking right at the hound when he says it and, yeah, I hope it right. even though he's going to have to do some dirty work. It seems like getting revenge for this guy. I hope that that message sticks with the hound and he continues on more of a redemptive
3: arc throughout the rest of the story. Mm. It would if really would have been driven home if Ray then turned and went, "Carl!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carl. Carl <Okay>. come back. <laughs> Duncan, what's your number? 3.
5: My number 3. Is my boy Jamie Lannister's pimp slap? <laughs> the golden hand, the golden backhand. Um, I just thought that was great. You the, know, guy was the guy was an idiot
3: for not seeing that coming. I
4: know. Oh, right?
5: such such an idiot. he's a fray, So what do you expect? You know. What about those hats they're wearing? They look horrible, right? <laughs> the
4: flaps. Know. They got the out lamest, of lamest costumes of all.
3: I like the Lannisters' armor. It's mm-hmm. it's red with those kind of bars across the.
5: Oh yeah, arm. and Jamie's armor was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, he looks fabulous. He, <laughs> he walks up and he's like, um, only fools make threats they're not ready to back up. You know, the guy kind of says, Oh, blah, blah blah and he's like, Well what what would you do, you know, if I if I threatened to slap you if you didn't stop talking? And the guy's like, I would boom, slaps him. Uh, <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> blah blah blah. I thought that was great.
3: Yeah. My favorite part about that whole scene was just having Braun and Jamie back yeah. together in oh, their yeah. dialogue.
5: Mm-hmm. I was super, super excited to see Braun show up, too. We haven't seen him at all this season, and he's he's also one of my favorite characters. Uh, one what thing do you guys... I
3: didn't quite get is Jamie's trying to convince Bron to help him. Then if he hasn't convinced him to help him, what is he doing there?
5: <laughs> yeah, they're already pretty <laughs> much there. <laughs>
1: they're
5: riding up on the castle. He had quite a bit of time to yeah. uh, to think about but it.
3: There's here's a couple lines. Jamie's like, Uh, You have better instincts than anyone in the Lannister army. That's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied army. (laughs) (laughs) And then I expect to command all the Lannister forces before long. You can be the right hand I lost. I just thought that was a really. Yeah, that was a good line too. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Otherwise, it's interesting that scene. It feels like a digression, but maybe not. I mean, Brienne is. On her way, supposedly, I think she got sent by Sansa to find Blackfish and ask for their help. So um, maybe that could tie things into maybe the main thrust of what's going on.
5: Jamie Brienne reunion? How would that look?
3: That would be
4: awesome. That would, that would be, be awesome. Totally rad. What I would, think, would think
3: though? Yeah. All right. Um, it's my
4: turn. Your turn. Okay.
3: Let's see. So my favorite part of this whole episode, even though it had, it, you know, not by far, because the, all the storylines were good, but I really liked Marjorie, Elena, Cersei. That little segment. Yes. I still wasn't totally convinced that Marjorie was faking. There was a part of me that believed that she had been converted, but I was happy to find out I was completely wrong. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I oh my had.
4: I had. I knew a hundred percent that she was putting on a show.
3: She's so good at mm. at faking shit.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: She learned from the best, man. She learned from the Queen of Thorns. Like, who who's better at manipulating <laughs> and playing parts than that? I mean, last week when um when they rode up with the army on the sept, she was calling the shots. Did you guys notice that?
1: Oh, every little
5: every yeah. little movement she made with her fan, Mace reacted to and commanded the army based on her uh, her fan movements. So she's wow. calling the shot the whole time. I didn't realize it until <sighs> the second so cool. watch. Yeah.
3: I mean one thing about her, I don't doubt that you're right that she she can be very manipulative, but in some in a lot of ways, when I think of her, I think of the opposite. She just says whatever the fuck is on her mind. Oh, and absolutely.
5: Give
1: a shit. And yeah, <laughs> she's
5: like the best mix possible of between scheming, for instance, when she plotted to have Joffrey murdered. And and followed through with that, (laughs) and then simultaneously just saying exactly what's on her mind. You know, I'm I'm, I'm just trying to figure out Cersei. If you are the worst person I have ever met,
1: (laughs) I really could not
3: stop
4: laughing. And Cersei kind of took it too. She just like, well, "Mm." yeah, she's totally
3: right, man. Cersei did all of this to get at Marjorie, and it totally backfired on her. And I was glad, like, fuck you, man, get away from me. You suck.
5: Yeah, and the Queen of Thorns totally calls her out on it. She's like, "We have these religious fanatics all over the city because yeah. of you. Marjorie was in prison because of you. Loras is in prison because of you. And, and you have no support,
3: and you have no friends, and you lost." Yeah, and
5: Cersei <laughs> admits it. She's like, "You're right. It was yeah. because of me. I was I could not believe that she owned up to it." And that right. was bring, like, and she's like, "Now we got to work together because it's our only option," which is a cool parallel to with what's going on up north. Trying to unite the north again, so they can. But all she fight didn't the White go walkers. for it. No, did go for it. Did not and, go for it.
3: And I, so I take that to mean that she probably also didn't clue Cersei in that Marjorie is faking it.
5: Oh, definitely not. Right, definitely not.
3: And just so I think most people probably looked this up who didn't get it, but Marjorie slipped Olenna a drawing of a rose. That's the sigil of Tyrell. And of house Tyrell And so I I think that just represents her saying Look here my loyalty is still with you I remember who I am This is you know I'm faking it That was her really succinct way of communicating Everything she needed to communicate And also you really need to get the hell out of Mm -hmm. town right now Yeah like
5: you really (laughs) really do She's like I'm still a rose grandma Don't worry I'm working on it But just save yourself and get the hell out of here (laughs)
3: Because
5: the threat The high sparrow just threatened you Body and soul
3: one thing I was a little curious about, apparently Tommen went to the High Sparrow and was like, uh, Marjorie won't go to bed with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. And you? And, you know, when he confronted her about that, she said the desires which once drove me no longer do, which on its surface he took to mean I'm not interested in sex anymore. So, And she's like, well, a woman's job isn't to be interested. It's just to be patient and take it or whatever. Uh, nice but uh I but well, i keep I telling
5: that, all my girlfriends that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm joking please don't kill me you're
3: right don't write in
1: <laughs> yeah don't write in i'm
5: not a total I think, misogynist
3: i think uh i uh that d- her saying the desires which drove me no longer do i wonder if that means something else like i desired to be you know, the queen and have an heir and all this stuff. But now maybe she's changed her plan or something. I mean, Mm. because otherwise, if, if her plan still is the same as it was before, then why would she not be experiencing Congress as the high Sparrow calls it?
5: I think that she's just so pissed off at that little bitch King to for leaving her in, in religious fanatic prison for so long that she can't even look at him anymore I mean at least that's what I interpreted as immediately that she's so mad at him that she couldn't even you know couldn't enter the room I mean I I was surprised that she didn't just straight slap him when he walked in to
3: see her last week (laughs) so I mean he's she's got him converted I
4: know I wonder how that's all gonna unfold yeah Yeah.
3: I wonder because uh I wonder if she's sort of like, all right, I just did what I could to get out of that dungeon and, you know, make the best of it. Or is she like, all right, I'm going to I have this plan and she's really scheming to totally turn things around. You know, it's got to be one of either of those or somewhere in between.
1: Yeah,
5: her plan definitely is not over until Loris is free. So there's definitely more scheming ahead. She's working on something, the magnitude of which I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, and her desire before was to be the queen and to be very powerful. So maybe that has changed, you know? Maybe she it's, doesn't want that anymore. I don't know.
5: Maybe. It's it's certainly an interesting question.
3: I can't wait to find out though. I mean, that's another thing I liked about this is it got me really intrigued to see where it was going to go next.
4: Yeah. Well, three more three more episodes.
3: Yeah. Yep.
5: yep. Oh, I did want to mention one more thing about um, the the scene with um, Elena Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns, and Cersei. I thought it was hilarious when she was asking if she possibly was the worst person she's ever met, and she said, the truly vile standout throughout the years, which I thought was a great line, but Mm -hmm. she ended the conversation saying, you've lost Cersei, it's the only joy I can find out of all this misery, Mm -hmm. which is just slap after slap after slap Cersei, who totally had it coming. Right.
3: Cersei says, You're right, I made a terrible mistake and I carry it with me every single day. And she says, Good. Yup.
5: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cersei is okay. just
3: the worst. Melissa, number
4: two. Well, uh, we get to meet Lady Mormont. Mormont, Mormont, whatever. Had mm-hmm. a lady who is um a small child. Yes. And she <laughs> is pretty incredible at first it's like oh man this kid needs a spanking but then you're like shit she's got this <laughs> she like she knows what she's doing and then her advisors or you know they they it just that was pretty uh, cool plus the kingdom was very beautiful i was like i would live in that kingdom was it bear Is- bear island or something or bear island um, yes yeah so meeting her was very cool and they ha- you know takes this you know huge speech and and finally she like gives in and and decides to um release her army to help them fight and it's 62, right? 62, 62. men. So I'm looking forward to seeing how these men fight. And Definitely.
3: I like yeah, I hope we get a sense of any of the men that are from her. I
4: know. I, well, I, we've I we like can't have those Jorah. numbers without it being amazing. Oh yeah, Sir Jorah. Okay. Yeah,
5: right. we've seen we've Sir Jorah seen, fight quite a bit and he is and he's a amazing. Beast.
3: Yeah, right. he's a and Jor, his father was pretty formidable.
5: Oh yeah, definitely strong enough mm. to uh, command the Night's Watch, and um, you know command loyalty for the most part. You know until they killed him. <laughs> until yeah. he didn't so much.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can see that they're at least the ones we've seen are formidable. Yeah, that was a great scene, and she did it, she did a really great job. She did a really yeah. good
4: job.
5: Yeah. That, and she, that, she she oh she did a. Fantastic job. My number two is the strong women as well. So um, since we already talked about the Queen of Thorns, Lady Mormont is the main subject now for me. And she wasn't kidding either when she was talking about how the women, you know, like my mom was not a great beauty or any kind of beauty, but she was a great warrior, you know, and she died fighting for your brother, Sansa, you know. Right. I know. I guess I should have said men and women. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. But (laughs) it's. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The, the Mormont women have a reputation for being vicious when necessary. And brutes, brutes for sure. Like, like all of them are like Briennes essentially, but probably a fraction of the size.
4: Right.
3: <laughs> the show has, been, has gotten a reputation and justly so for being really brutal towards women at times. And also since the beginning of the show there have been some really exceptionally strong women so it's kind of interesting well
4: i think yeah, it's an definitely. equal opportunity brutalism i mean the show agree. is oh, yeah, yeah it's easier Theon. to point out it's Theon. there is some atrocities being done to everybody basically Um yeah, that Theon scene that yeah. was just horrible and like painful and yeah. uncomfortable and disgusting. That, that scene that was... went
3: on for a whole season.
4: Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that was don't just forget about ten thousand
5: Dickless Unsullied. Yeah, that's quite a quite a number of
3: <laughs> That's their official so. tribe name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Oh, I
5: don't even want to know what their sigil would be.
4: <laughs> it's just I an do. empty Unless. placard. Yeah. it's just
3: the
5: stones with no pillar
4: <laughs> right 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 oh my um, god yeah it's uh so i don't know I, i've heard that too and i, I know they've been seen and uh, you know it's i'm not saying And i question myself i love this show so much i love the books that i've read but i do have moments when i'm watching it and i'm like i don't know if this is good for my brain like oh, it's, it's. there are some pretty like like oh god uh, it's, it's so brutal. cynical
3: and dark and brutal. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's getting it's turning into a little bit more of a traditional hero story. I feel like lately. And, yeah, you because more people are winning people are coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Not as many people are dying. And there's definitely a part of me that feels like, oh, that's not Game of Thrones. You, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we, people should die. Yeah. And then there's another part that's like, eh, maybe towards the end of the story, it would be good for some good people to start waiting a little yeah. bit more. You gotta
5: have <laughs> right. a little bit of payoff. Yeah. Do <laughs> so you guys remember when Leanna Mormont was first mentioned on the show? Lady, little oh, lady Wasn't Leanna. it recently? It was
1: uh,
3: It was like a couple last episodes season, ago, right?
5: It was before Stannis was killed and uh, he was sitting with John and was receiving letters from different lords, you know, shutting down his offers for them to come and bend the knee and fight for Stannis himself. And he unfolds a little parchment that he received from little Lady Mormont, 10 years old, from Bear Island, which read, Bear Island knows no king, but the king in the north whose name is Stark. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, little girls aren't even showing me respect at this point? (laughs) So I think um, it was pretty awesome that we got to you know put a face to that name and to those words and see mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. little lady you know leona mormont
3: kicking ass and And yeah and sh- uh you kind of forget that she's a little girl about you know 60 seconds in mm-hmm. she's obviously smart and formidable and
5: sharp as a tack yeah. dude yeah there's that great line where one of them says um you know, I think it was Sansa says uh, you know, we're here to ask for your allegiance to House Stark and she's like oh oh, House Stark because uh, cause you're a snow aren't you bastard and you you're a Bolton or is it a Lannister you know there's conflicting reports yeah <laughs> I love
3: that which is kind of a backhanded way of saying man you're just sleeping around with everybody
5: <laughs> yeah <know>. totally
3: <laughs> and she says like, I did what I had to do to survive like you're asking for you allegiance did. but it's how true. loyal
5: are you yeah yeah,
3: yeah. It's like dude how can I trust you and that it, it to me it was it was a bummer watching John and Sansa go around and it was like it reminded me of when I was a kid and I had to like sell cookies first to go to on a trip or something
1: <laughs> I hated that I I did and
3: too. I was like can you please buy a couple you know and there were some kids who were so good at it but not me and so I hated when you know seeing them him get rejected by Lord Glover but they did manage to get some so that was good it was fairly meager compared to what they might have gotten but that's because ned stark is dead and if ned stark was still around then all of these people would be lining up behind him cuz they're yeah, sworn to but the starks are a meager force at this oh, point it was, so mm-hmm. now we have the scrappy underdogs
5: it was so brutal at that at house glover you know at the end when um they're begging for them to help and he's like listen house stark is dead you know yeah oh yeah brutal. and you
3: know you can't as john snow i don't know about sansa but there's probably a part of john that's like i can totally understand why people would be acting like this <laughs> yeah like
5: you're coming begging for our help you don't even have a castle anymore what do you have yeah. like are you gonna help with us help you at all what do you have to throw down yourself right
3: and it's it ends up being wildlings who Ugh. everyone is hated for so well, long
4: who, who is the last kingdom uh, who basically says you know when they find out that they have wildlings fighting with them they they turn they deny him yeah that was yeah. the glovers yeah That's yeah. It. yeah but it's, it's the point is and, and I mean this is kind of one of my points but whatever um <laughs> you know when it comes to I don't think people I don't think people are aware of the situation <laughs> like this is I mean if they knew the scope of how I mean, the White Walkers seem almost unbeatable, really. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So it's going to take no time to like, I'm not going to fight with you. I mean, this is crazy.
3: And that's where he was smart with Liana Mormont. He said the dead are coming and a divided north won't stand a chance against them yeah. and that's that's what he's like if anybody wonders why are you focusing on fighting the boltons instead of fighting the white walkers it's because he wants he feels like he needs to unite the north and have a strong force to fight yeah, the dead yeah the mm-hmm.
5: the dead need to meet a unified force first so yeah. they can't get in you know
3: and it makes me wonder like, uh, John's goal is to s- protect the land against the White Walkers, and Daenerys's goal is to go in and conquer. I don't think there's been anything mentioned about White Walkers in any of Daenerys' storylines, so I right. wonder. Oh, I think you know, she's at some point clueless. it's all going to come together, and we're going to see what she's made of, and that'll be really amazing. To
5: amazing. See. Oh yeah. my god. I, well, she's all mm-hmm. about you know freedom and, and having having, you know, freeing the slaves and simultaneously conquering and getting her birthright back. But I feel like there's no question about it. Her drive to protect the individual and keep mankind, you know, free and safe. She's going to have no problem saying, oh, White Walkers are the real problem. Let's go Drogon and just riding up there with fire to meet those dead bastards.
3: Yeah, if we don't get that, I'm going to throw a hissy fit. (laughs)
4: I will throw a hissy fist. (laughs) I would like to see that, actually, so now I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. All right, I'll film it. (laughs) Please do.
3: Okay.
5: That actress that played Little Lady Liana Mormont, she was fantastic. Powerhouse role there. I'm I'm looking forward to see her continued acting um, successes. Yeah, maybe
3: she'll be in the show more, too.
5: I hope so. That'd be Mm -hmm. awesome. I hope she rides a dragon, man.
3: <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. So, my number two, we've pretty much covered it was all that, all, everything with John and Sansa and going around and what they were doing. But a couple little points about that that I didn't say yet. I liked when Jon Snow was convincing the wildlings to join him, and his rationale for them was. You know, if we don't defeat the Boltons and the Karstarks and the Umbers, then they're going to come after you guys. So it's in your own interest to do this. And then um uh, Torman was like, he died for us. So the least we can do is help him out. It's kind of biblical. But then I like yeah. when Snow said to Torman, are you sure they'll come? And Torman said, we're not clever like you Southerners. When we say we'll do something, we do it. Right. That <laughs> was it, cool. it would
5: have been just would have been better if he said, and I'm going to do Brienne. <laughs> right. If you can just give me that one chick's phone number, I'm right behind you.
3: <laughs> that was so funny with all those looks he was giving her, and she was the looks she was giving back. Like what? Pure gold.
5: <laughs> Pure gold.
3: But hopefully they'll end up together. That'd be amazing. And Even then
5: if she doesn't end up with Jamie,
3: right? Right. Threesome? No. Uh um, <laughs> <so> yes. <laughs> I like seeing the I love seeing that giant hanging out. His name is One One. And One Weg One Dar One. He kinda gave the deciding vote when he said snow. But I at first thought he <laughs> said no.
5: Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did <laughs> the same thing mic. last year at hard home when they were yeah. kind of having their meeting and tormund was saying we we should need to fight with john you know come back with with the crow and he kind of stands up and goes tormund
3: right that'd be funny if one time he needs to vote and he stands up and he's all i think we should go with Tyrion.'"
1: <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. And let me outline for you The three points why no. That would be um, amazing
5: Whether <laughs> I'm like a really long road trip And he's just like Pooh <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go. I'll be back. Pull over, damn
4: it! Right, I know yeah. you got to pull over for that guy. That would yeah. be horrible. <laughs> what oh I want
3: to see is either this guy or some giant turned into a white at some point.
4: Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh. say that. Come
3: on, we gotta have or, it though. Well,
4: Hodor, or, maybe right?
3: Hodor is not yeah. big enough though. I want a
5: big no, that's giant. True. A big You're giant, right. or how about this, okay. man? How about this? There's three dragons. What if one of them dies north of the wall? Oh, oh my god! god. Oh, a dragon white breathing ice fire. That would
3: be so cool.
4: Oh, wow. hmm. I'm writing a metal song as you said those words. <laughs> dragon white <laughs> breathing <laughs>
5: ice
3: fire.
4: Yeah, ice fire. <laughs> uh,
3: I was thinking uh, during this whole thing with John uh, teaming up with the Wildlings that. I miss John's ex girlfriend and I think she really would have enjoyed all this cooperation among the free folk and Oh um,
5: definitely. You
4: know, the free folk. <laughs> yeah.
5: Well she's been, you know, she's the major influence on John that's enabled his attitude shift for the most mm-hmm. part. So
3: Would you she's, say the free folk are libertarians?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're libertarian voluntarists. Oh. You know, that they uh, they won't do anything. You know, unless they're, it's voluntary. Like they, nobody's gonna boss them around. But if they'll, they'll do it if they think it's right. You know, right. they'll volunteer for it. Absolute libertarians. Um, you could say they're into the small government, uh, <laughs> considering there's no government. They're all about individual rights. The whole concept of being free. Um, I can't comment on their money policies because they don't really know anything about money or if they use money or if it's just trade. But um if they're if they're trading in in goods, you know, in goods and services, then they would believe in sound money because you can't devalue goods or services. So that would be uh, I'm sure, really yeah, invincible. I doubt they have
3: any coins or anything.
5: Yeah, um yeah, absolute libertarians.
3: Hmm. Cool. Definitely. All the way. And then finally on uh, just around this whole subject, I liked that Jon Snow was like, "No, we got to go to battle soon." Just because I'm like, "Yeah, good. Let's get to the to the battle." Uh, but, uh, and also the white walkers are coming, so you don't really have too much time to dick around, but, uh, I don't think it's going to be next week. I think it's going to be in episode nine or 10. I hope be it's really the season. Intense. Yeah. It's gonna be great. You think odor
4: is uh. definitely dead. He's definitely dead, right? Maybe. Oh yeah.
5: Pretty- I'm pretty sure he's, uh, I saw him get stabbed, so. Oh. then again we saw Arya get stabbed I, that
4: was going to be my number one
3: yeah
5: <laughs> oh sorry
4: no it's okay
3: well I'm sorry. let's move on to that Um. well wait no before we do because I just wanted to ask so Sansa is eyeing a raven and then she goes to write a letter and that's obviously the little finger right
5: I think so. We've seen close-ups of sealing wax two times this season. The first was when we got a letter from Littlefinger to Sansa, and it showed real mm. close his Mockingbird sigil on the red wax. So it makes sense that a returning letter, they'd focus on the... Um, the. Um, the sealing wax from Sansa just to leave it kind of a mystery she could be mm-hmm. writing to House Kerwin which, which they were talking about right before that scene but it's it's likely that it's Littlefinger yeah because,
3: because she hadn't she, told Jon about him before so now she's doing this kind of in secret <clears throat> right after she had a fight with Jon about getting more forces
5: yep and they need those those veil troops big yeah. time yeah I'd say okay. it's safe that it's Littlefinger
3: okay number one
4: numero uno well yeah it's it's Arya, taking her sword up, getting out of town. It was kind of weird though. Heard the scene where she gets you know stabbed, basically. Right. It just seemed like this almost surreal. Like it almost she almost seemed too ha- weirdly happy.
5: The whole time.
4: It was just kind Even of this, when she was making a deal. Like the sun looks beautiful and the skin is and the music know, was all looking on. out over the water. Learned-
3: there was some nice music too, but I think that was just misdirection. They were creating a a happy mood so that it would come as a shock. We wouldn't expect or suspect, we wouldn't be looking out for the waif, you know, because they already know that as an audience, we know that the waif is after her. So they were trying <laughs> to paint a scene that would just maybe for a second make us forget. And it, it did, me. I was, I was, it was like, oh, cool. Yeah. She's but, gonna but get I don't think it
4: was Arya just like would... at the
5: end of, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
4: Well, I was just going to say, I don't think she... I think she would leave. I think she would get the hell out of Dodge, like... But I guess she did. Did she buy fare on a ship or something? And yeah. she told
3: them, yeah, we're leaving tomorrow, not in two days. So she was trying to speed it up as much as she could.
4: Okay. Well, I just feel like um, with all her training and what she's even been through, she knows that those people can, you know, she will be found very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, 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 I am. I I'm. guess I was just a little in shock that maybe she knows... And I um and maybe maybe she wasn't really stabbed, but I think she was. I don't know. Yeah. What's your theory? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
5: last week when the waif came back to Jack and Hagar and said he said, How did it go? And she said, Just as I thought. First of all, what does that tell you? She said she said just as I thought
3: that she thought that Arya would fuck it up and not kill her target.
5: Well, that's true, but there's a second level to that statement. Just as I thought, if she were no. a faceless woman, you know, she would just should just have said girl. just as a girl thought. Uh. And to further to further impress that selfish nature, she then said to to um to Jacken, you promised me, right, right. And when she when she said that, Jack and got this look on her on his face, like oh, like. You know, like, like, but if he made this promise to her, he would obviously remember that. So I think he was reacting to the fact that she was behaving, acting from the self in a selfish nature, not calling mm. herself a girl, but referring to herself in the first person, I and me. So when Jochen said, oh, "It's a shame a girl had such promise," I think he was referring to the waif. When yeah, he said I that. kind
4: of. She's gotten very emotional. I mean, I know she's always mm. been, you know.
3: Uh, a little sadistic.
4: Sadistic, <laughs> and stoic, stoically sadistic, if you will. But she's really kind of let her emotions get a handle on her with, with jealousy or spite, whatever it is for Arya. Yeah, so, so remember, yeah, maybe, um, she's, maybe it was planned. Maybe there wasn't Arya. Maybe she's wearing a different face. That's
5: exactly <laughs> where I'm going with this. Remember, at the end of last season, somebody... You know, s- somebody took a cup of water from the fountain in the in the house of black and white, and said, "You know, only death can pay for life." And Arya thought that they were going to make her drink it, mm-hmm. but this person drank it himself. Jokin drank the liquid himself and died, right? And so she goes over and she starts pulling off the faces, and she sees her own face on dead Jockin Hagar's face. Then she turns, and the person who was the waif is now Jockin Hagar. So we know that these people are no one. They're willing to give their life because they don't have their own life. Somebody gave their life in that scene as a lesson to Arya, purely mm-hmm. as a lesson. So mm-hmm. that means that if they're testing the waif here, somebody else could be posing as Arya, giving their own life potentially just to see how she handles this. Because when she was leaving, Jaqen had said, don't let her suffer, right? Right. But she stabbed her in the gut twice, twisted, and then just let her, you know, fall off of the bridge. There's, you know, if she survived, there's some suffering in that. So not yes. only is she uh, is she being selfish and speaking from a personal perspective when she's should be a girl, a nameless nobody, but she didn't even follow through with the command that Jocken gave her mm-hmm. to um to not let Arya suffer. So it could be that another faceless man was posing as Arya, acting. You know, outright in public, standing up there, nothing covering her face, her hair tied back, open to right. the world for everybody to see, saying, "I'll be here till tomorrow." You know, I'll be back in the morning. <laughs> what Still a lovely day, around. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. When the last time we saw Aria, she had grabbed needle and she was hiding in the dark. You know, yeah. two completely different mentalities for behavior. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was a Faria, a fake Aria.
4: Yeah. Mm. Good 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 i mean uh, it's kind of, it's kind
3: of a
5: crackpot theory
3: no i mean you know. that's going around on the net that um different variations of that and uh i don't know i you talking about it now at first i was just dismissing all of that but i'm like huh maybe we'll see i guess i don't need to decide
1: no, not yet. No, right well, we do not right decide now.
5: anything. We will experience <laughs> yeah. it in all of its glory. I was kind of surprised that Jaqen didn't show up and take out the waif before he, she got a chance to take out Arya as punishment right. for
3: not being no one. Yeah. It just I'm trying to think okay, cuz you know, there are little moments and things that you talked about that seem a little peculiar and that would would fit into that alternative narrative that you just put forth. But then what would that do for the story? Like, that's what I think with like Walking Dead, when people come up with crackpot theories about like there's a mole in our group and it's Eugene or something (laughs) like that. I'm like, well, would that really be the kind of story that they would tell? And um, with this, with Game of Thrones, I think if this is actually a lesson for the waif, I think it would have to also then somehow impact Arya. I, yeah, for, for to I be agree. included. Yeah.
5: I kind of have another theory about that as well. I feel like um, when Jaqen first encountered Arya in the woods, when she was Arya escaping as Arya, uh, little Ary orphan Ary boy boy, um, <laughs> he felt that she qualified for their training, even though she was this, the daughter of a lord, a great lord of Westeros. I feel like her identity as Arya may be important for whatever mission she 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 ne- needs to be sent on to accomplish for the faceless men like she may have been recruited because of her identity hmm. or or that it could play a role in it so you know um killing somebody in sa- in sacrifice to Arya when he the guy drinks the poison from the fountain or killing the waif if since she screwed up and um you know, isn't really nobody. I feel like Jackin has like a, like he has like a soft spot for Aria and like, like, like he appreciates her as Aria and will use that for some end. So I, I could be entirely wrong, but I think yeah, that it may we'll be see. important.
3: We'll see. I'm glad this story is, is having some movement to it. Because I've really been fascinated by it, but it's started to get a little bit repetitive. So things (laughs) are shifting.
5: Yeah, Like three stick fighting episodes in a row. (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right.
3: Okay, Duncan, what's your number one?
5: My number one is my boy, the Hound, um, (laughs) which we pretty much covered in detail. But I'm just really glad to see him back. Um, I feel like at his core, he's a good guy who's you know been induced into secondary psychopathy by a series of unfortunate and traumatic events you know being in the wrong place at the wrong time dealing with false knights you know um he's he feels like the system is broken that there's no place for him and um I really hope that there's a redemptive arc for him in the future and uh, it's just well
3: it's kleigenbull
5: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it could Hopefully. be it could be, man. Right. I just I just want to see him, you know, I want to see the hound happy.
4: I just want the hound to be happy. <laughs> yeah.
5: Big old lug. I hate sad We puppies. should set
4: him up with someone real nice. <laughs> yeah,
5: like, like Sansa, you know. I, I could get behind nice. that. They kind of have like a little romance thing going on to some degree.
3: At one point he said something about how he should have taken advantage of her when he had the chance.
5: <laughs> yeah, but he was just Top trying in. to goad Arya into killing him at that point. Right, right, I, right, right. He saved Sansa from the crowd before they raped her, and yeah, he yeah. he, he covered her, her up after yeah, Joffrey
3: had humiliated her, stripped
5: her, her naked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he came to her. You know, when when all was lost and he was broken, he ended up in her bedroom, waiting <laughs> for her to come back.
3: And it's <laughs> such a romantic comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this show.
5: And uh, you know he asked her to leave with him and said that he would take her to safety. He never like abused her or mistreated her except for kind of scaring her a couple of times, but you know, he got that face. How can you not scare people? And, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, there's more to the hound than his, his gruff exterior and that he's got potential in a mm-hmm. variety of fields of life. So I'm excited to see what happens with him. Maybe he's a Zora high, you know, who knows born in, in, fire and and tear and uh, salt like when when his brother pushed his face against the fire and created the hound the burned man you know the fire the the salt from the tears maybe he's you know the the prophesied one who will come to save us from the
3: white walkers and and the, the dead somehow
5: I don't think so, but who knows?
3: You know. It could go it could go a million ways. Could be. I mean he hates fire, so he's not gonna like Drogon too much.
4: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my god.
3: Okay. My number one was also the hound, so I won't go over that again, but the one thing we haven't really talked about is Theon and Yara. That, that is little true. scene.
5: Yep. And there we go. Another broken man who has the yeah. opportunity to do good in the future and to come back.
4: Are you talking this about the scene in the friend. in the tavern, oh, the, yeah. brothel, the tavern or whatever? Oh, the broth, the tavern, The tavern with yeah. the tits, the tit tavern. <laughs> <laughs> tit tavern. Yes, tavern. <laughs> <Titty> tavern. tavern. <laughs>
3: and I love that Yara acts like you'd think a guy would, you know, so oh, she's yeah. like nothing she, on the Iron Islands has an ass like that.
4: I know she I was like, damn, I'm she was kind of doing it for me at that moment I'm like wait a minute <laughs> what's going on <laughs> I'm, I'm so attracted to her right now I don't understand <laughs> <too>. why um <laughs> oh, yeah. but hilarious. then
3: she kept giving little barbed comments like oh I know that doesn't interest you anymore to Theon. Know, ouch. eventually
5: but, she apologized though. <laughs> yeah
3: and I think she's trying to say in her unsubtle way dude get the fuck over yourself and let's get yeah. busy living or get busy dying you know uh, I thought well, that was, it was a pretty good. powerful scene, it's actually. tough love.
4: It was a great scene, and she was like, you know, just drink your ale. I mean, it's true. He probably hasn't relaxed and en- enjoyed a beer yeah, <laughs> in, I know. in yeah. a long time. Like, he he's really, high strung. He's, he's just, he's been completely just fucked over in this. I mean, he obviously did some very bad things himself, but um, yeah, just like I think the hound. it's time for him to, you know, kind of start to heal from his own process. He's He's kind of earning his his way back. So yeah, um, sometimes you need a little
5: alcohol, a little ale to help you know, process. trauma. <laughs> yes.
4: You
1: know? And,
3: and yeah. And you know, when she said, uh, you know, Hey, y- y- you, if you're so broken, there's no coming back, then just end it. But if you're staying, then I need you. And we're going to go get this dragon queen and take the iron islands. Are you with me? And are you oh, really such with a powerful me? moment? And he, he looked up and, he had some conviction, but he also, I didn't totally believe it. Um, but then afterwards, when she went, she's all, well, I'm going to go fuck the tits off her or whatever. <laughs> she, she, he, he was still thinking about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna i got to do, do this. I'm going to
5: do yeah. it. <laughs> oh, he just sold me when, with that look on his face when he looked up from his drink mm-hmm. and looked sister in the eye and just gave a nod. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to give it my best. Like, I got choked up watching that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a
4: powerful scene. It was good.
5: His his performances have been consistently stellar throughout yeah. the yeah, series. Yeah, he's great. Alfie Allen.
3: And how much he's changed since the beginning. Is yeah. <laughs> totally. Awesome. He's, like,
5: he's got the Carol arc you know, from Walking Dead. Carol's gone through yeah. like, the most massive character transformation. I feel like... Mm-hmm. Theon to Reek, back to Theon is probably the you know the most drastic character transformation we've gotten on uh, Game right. of Thrones
3: so far. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe little baby Drogon to big mean Drogon. <laughs>
5: yeah. But but that's just more of a size change, you know. He's, I guess so, yeah. he's breathing fire from infanthood. You know? That's true. Good he's just point. roasting tiny pieces Drogon. of meat as opposed to
4: full horses.
3: <laughs>
4: I love Drogon. Uh.
3: All right. Anything else? I think that was very good.
4: Um, I just, I just hearing the word Drogon is just, I'm like, couldn't, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't you think <laughs> of a more. A uh, dragon. I don't know. Drogon?
3: How about Dragon? <laughs> yeah.
5: Dragon? Oh, well, you know, she mixed her, the love of Dragon-y. her, her sun and stars <laughs> called Drogo. She took well, his name and just that's true. morphed good. it. All yeah. right. All right. All right. The, the Drogo dragon.
3: Lizardo. <laughs>
5: Mazardo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this the, the writing in this episode was fantastic. There was a couple parallels that worked really well. The you know the strong females we got we got Lady Liana, who's kicking ass. We got Marjorie who's working behind the scenes plotting to to do stuff. We got the Queen of Thorns who is just her dialogue her dialogue was amazing. So we had the strong women. We had the uh, the theme of teamwork which is popping up more and more. And these people are going to need to learn that in order to defeat the the threat from the North, they are going to have to work together. You know, we could very well see a scene with Cersei and the, the Queen of Thorns both wielding swords side by side, you know, as a White Walker approaches in the future and they have to work together. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen either, obviously, but, you know, there's this theme of teamwork which is really coming to the forefront now as mm-hmm. the main threat is emerging and becoming apparent and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these people manage to pull together. Because if they don't, everybody's fucked, man. Mm-hmm. Fucked.
3: Yeah, and <A1> they won't end this with the White Walkers sweeping through and killing everybody in scene. <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-da-da-da yani laughs> that would be so George, day, though. <laughs> <laughs>
5: the would so I, R.
3: I would bet anything it won't end like that. I, I think it'll be, it'll obviously be bittersweet, but there will be some light and some darkness in the ending. I bet.
5: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Oh man.
4: Pretty. That's a pretty good guess on that prediction. Prediction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks.
3: All right. Uh, we good?
5: Yeah, we're good. I'm excited. Okay.
3: Cool. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. You ain't not gonna We're back in it's time for the news first entertainment did an interview with Ian McShane I thought this particular one was interesting they said what did you appreciate about brother Ray it seems like a different kind of role than some of the others that you're best known for he was like fuck you cocksucker no, I'm just
1: <laughs>
3: <I can't. laughs> he said uh it was one episode for a start, which is why I wanted to do it. Obviously, he's going to die. But when I read it, it's nice. It's like he's holding an improvised meeting. Not Alcoholics Anonymous, but Murderer's That's Anonymous. That's what I said.
4: I said it was like <laughs> Violence Anonymous. That was one of my <laughs> <laughs>
3: But he said, but I think my main use was to reintroduce a character people thought was long gone and who needed some humanity. The Hound has not been shown much humanity in his life, and he gets a little from Brother Ray and carries that forward into his character, which makes it more interesting for those who watch him. Also, my daughter, who's an avid watcher of the show, was like, oh, the Hound, that will be good. Yeah. That was his take.
5: I love the Hound, man.
3: Actor Christopher Hivju, or something, who plays (laughs) Tormund, decided to crash a game of thrones themed bar on sunday night as they aired this week's episode oh,
5: awesome. what no way
3: which i love now it just showed an instagram video of him driving there and saying well i was gonna stay either stay in my hotel or go to this bar and you know i picked i think i picked the best choice or something like that so we didn't get to see what it was like but i just thought that was cool because i we also know that maisie williams has crashed one or two game of Thrones parties. And I wish I was at a party where one of those guys would crash.
5: Yeah, that's the <laughs> coolest thing, ran. man. When people do stuff yeah. like that.
3: Uh, next, there's a new Kickstarter from a guy named Tony Wang who's looking to make a detailed six-inch Hodor door holder.
4: Oh, I saw that. I oh! saw this on the internet. I think
3: it's. Uh, it looks cool. It's you know it looks like a doorstop, but then Hodor's on the end, and he has his hands so that they're pressed up against the door and his back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Forever fighting against the charging whites. They had an initial target of $5,000 but they've already raised by the time this article is written 68,000 but they're still trying to get a licensing agreement with HBO and if they can't get it then everyone gets a refund.
4: Man, I hope they do. <laughs> that, Come on. Yeah, yeah that'd be really cool. great. I I can't
5: imagine that not succeeding. Um, right. Know, oh, right. while we're on the subject of Hodor, do you guys remember the um any scenes that may have foreshadowed his door holding? No. No? Remember there's that scene after Winterfell was sacked by Theon Greyjoy where they're hiding out in the the crypts of Winterfell and they, they're going up the stairs to escape and the door's too heavy and there's rocks piled up on top of the door and none of them can lift it, but Hodor's the only one that's powerful enough to to hold that door up <laughs> and get them out of there. And um, I just realized that a second ago that there's that, that kind of foreshadowing scene years back, which is pretty
3: cool. That's his calling. I mean, I'm sure they haven't shown <laughs> it, calling. but there's been so many times <laughs> in his life where he's just held doors for oh, people. The doors. And <laughs> <Right>. every <the> time
5: <laughs> he freaks out inside a little bit, like, is this the time? Is yeah, this is the this time? It? Is oh, this is it? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Because it's so snowy at Winterfell all the time. And it could have been any of those doors, any of those times. (laughs) Right.
3: All right. This last item is potentially just a little tiny bit spoilery. Um, So if you don't like any kinds of spoilers, you can move ahead to the next section. So tvguide.com showed a close-up of Sansa's letter. It was still blurry and hard to read. So you couldn't really tell for sure, but it looked like it had the phrases of the veil are under your command and your aid and I shall see to it that you something so it sounds like she's writing to Littlefinger but then the article went on to ask why would she need to bargain with him since he already offered his help so maybe they weren't reading it correctly I don't know but it seems like that's it to me
5: wow yeah there we go I think think that'll go down just like that
3: alright now it's time for Raven's calls (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> I was wondering what Awesome that was uh, I heard a raven call The other day At breakfast And I was like That's a raven I know that call From, from Game of yeah. Microphones
4: They make crazy Ravens make crazy Sounds too They make like This cl- They make like These interesting Warbly Clucky sounds With their throats yeah. I don't know if you've ever Heard that before. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan Some of, of the, the most ravens. Intelligent
5: birds
3: I like yeah, it they, They're beautiful Ravens and crows mm-hmm. Seem so um, Unique Compared to other birds yeah. Right?
4: Just pitch
5: black.
3: Mm-hmm. And the way they move and they f- ruffle the fleather- feathers.
4: Oh, yeah. They're fleathers. They're feathers.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Is that like feathers. Uh, fake leathers? <laughs>
3: yeah, ravens have feathers. Fleathers. <laughs> They're, in case
1: fleathers. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: They're animal All right, let's rights get activists. What's <laughs> your responses?
4: Lindsay Borton said, the Hound is back. Yes. I added the yes. Uh, Mr. Blog's got to be so excited about Clegane Bowl 2016. Yeah. Whoop, whoop,
5: whoop. He is. Yeah. He's he not does. the only one, man.
4: <laughs> Apparently, yeah, not a lot of people are.
5: <laughs> All right. Kristen Halberg says, I honestly have no idea what is going to happen. None. I do know that Arya isn't going to die. Do you now? we we wouldn't be put through the absolute torture that has been the mundane and stagnant house of black and white for nothing (laughs) furthermore the waif cannot win i agree with your sentiment
4: i think we all agree
3: no guarantees
4: no guarantees
3: (laughs) (laughs) just kidding yeah i I would be totally shocked if it was like okay she's dead next week never see her again
5: (laughs) she really would become no one
3: R- Rindro Mueller says more set up for the final three of the season. That's not a bad thing. I just really wanted to see the payoff. Sansa likely contacted Baelish, though I'm still a bit unsure why she won't tell John. Maybe she's worried his honor would cause him to reject the idea. I'm not sure we're getting Winterfell slash Snowball this season, though unless River Run ends up not being as much of a fight. Oh mm. man, don't say mm. that.
4: I know, right? Mm-hmm. How dare you? Um, Erica in Furter said, loved our reintroduction of Sandor and Clegane. Oh, how I missed him so. It's good to Uh see him healthy and that he was treated well for once. I am so sad. Such a tease to only have Ian McShane for only one episode. But it was a rare treat to see him smile and not be completely evil and sinister, a la Deadwood and a uh, American Horror Story. Wow, Yara sure loves the boobies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the Tit Tavern. How can you not? Uh, Theon She's is not so the only one. <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> Theon is so sad and tortured. Ugh. And the part that I had to rewatch, Arya. The part I had to rewatch, Arya getting shanked. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Was horrible. I hate the oh, wave dang. just as much as Joffrey and Ramsay. Now, agreed. Yeah. It's pretty Everything Jeez. you said, Ooh. Erica.
5: Despisable company there, Joffrey, Ramsey, and the Waif. (laughs) Ugh. Sounds like a bad dinner party. Mm
1: -hmm. Next we have...
5: (laughs) Very um, bad. (laughs) Derek Pacheco. The Queen of Thorns stole this episode from me, dialogue-wise, as she rightfully tore Cersei a new asshole. The reintroduction to the Hound was great, but I had hoped for a more prominent reveal. Maybe because I had doubt in my mind that Sandor was alive, it didn't hit Uh, full shock value for me. The best thing in the River Run story this week was the return of Bronn. Yeah. And every time he opened his mouth, don't say it. Don't fucking say it. I agree with the majority that Sansa wrote that letter for Littlefinger in desperation. I don't think the Blackfish would have enough time to forfeit his castle and make it to Sansa and Jon in a timely manner. So this seems to be her best option for now, since Jon suddenly seems more than eager to invade Winterfell now. Maybe I missed something, but his newfound urgency <sighs> seems off to me.
3: Did you miss the episode called "Hard Hardhome? Because... <laughs> it's
5: pretty urgent, <laughs> but I was getting some, uh, some scary vibes um, in this episode from that as well. It was very Stannis-like. First of all, they're in this camp that Stannis was shacked up in and John is basically saying what Stannis was saying at the very end, you know, most of his army ran off and he had pretty much nobody. And he's like, listen, we're going to fight right now with the army that we got. Yeah. Except um,
3: John's army hasn't Their their Um, I think, uh, what do you call it? Uh, morale is not as low as Stannis's was.
5: Definitely not as low, but the numbers are bad. Yeah. The numbers are bad, but John's going to have to kill
3: a little girl if he wants half of his army to run off.
5: Yeah. And uh he may also have to kill a little girl if he wants to become Azora High, you know. <laughs> we heard about how the um how Azora High had to shove a a, a knight or a, a sword through his wife's heart to create Lightbringer. So if, is if that, John so is
3: You're getting into deep cuts here. Uh, but is Lightbringer the um the Lord of Light?
5: No, no. Lightbringer was the sword that Stannis Baratheon supposedly had. Oh, the flaming okay. sword of ages that, um you know, saved humanity from the whites previously. So oh, Azora High is like the last hero who he first, he forged a blade for 25 days, shoved it in water to temper it and it shattered. So he tried again, sh- temper, uh, you know, forged it for 50 days, shoved it through a, the heart of a lion, trying to temper it and it shattered. So he tried a third time, forged his blade for a hundred days or yeah, a hundred days and then his wife nissa Nissa, gave herself to him in a willing sacrifice he shoved the blade through her heart
3: that didn't work either <laughs>
5: it didn't work total waste of <laughs> time but it like she sort of like i feel like her essence combined with the sword and it mm-hmm. became lightbringer um the flaming okay. sword got it um so if if John is zora high the prince who was promised who what's his sacrifice going to be mm you know, will Arya have to volunteer to become no one for real?
3: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Can't really he sad. just get Stannis' sword?
5: <laughs> well, his his sword was a fake.
3: For oh. Sure. Oh. Okay. Okay. So we don't know where the real sword is.
5: Um, we don't know what happened to the real sword. There is some book stuff with hints on what may have happened to it, but um, I don't think any of it's been covered in the show. Okay. Did, do you guys remember did did Master Aemon say anything about about Stannis's sword? I
3: don't remember. Mm,
5: I can't remember if it was on the books or the show, but um Samuel Tarley had been in there with Stannis and Stannis pulled out Lightbringer and showed everybody and put it back away and as the, as Sam is leaving with Master Aemon, Master Aemon's like, "Oh, did you notice any heat coming off of the blade?" And he's like, no, no, I didn't notice any heat, but it was as bright as a hundred suns, you know. And he's like, well, you know, according to the legend, Lightbringer also emitted heat, so it's a fake.
3: Mm, okay.
5: Um, but yeah, it's—I don't know. I, I want to see what happens with that whole scenario. What's what's the sacrifice going to be for Zora
3: High? So you just presume there will have to be one. Well, it, it if it follows the runs. pattern
5: of right. the previous you know, sacrifice required to attain this capability and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I feel like there will have to be something similar this time.
3: It's going to have to kill one, one. Uh. <laughs> all right. William Steiner says something felt off to me about the Arya scene. First, she was throwing around her money out in the open, kind of making there you a go. scene. Yeah. Then she was just walking around, stopping to look off a bridge, all of this without <laughs> needle.
5: Yeah. I never what saw a needle. That?
3: With all the acting talk in the last episode, maybe this was all some elaborate plan with Lady Crane to ambush the waif. It could be that she had some pig's blood or something in a pouch tucked into her shirt, leaving a trail of blood to follow. Arya is just too smart to let her guard down like that. There has to have been some trickery on her part for this to make sense.
5: Mm -hmm. Trickery on somebody's part.
4: All right. I get Sherry Morford. Yay. Yay. Sherry. We love you, Mm -hmm. Sherry. We love you all. <laughs> it sounded very singled out. <laughs> but we, we, we all happen did. to just personally know
5: so. Sherry. Yes, yeah. we do.
4: We do. Um, says, any episode where the Queen of Thorns spends five minutes telling Cersei how stupid she is is an episode <laughs> I can get behind. Great episode and yes! loving the season.
3: Yeah, if they had an episode that was just all of the Queen of Thorns telling Cersei how stupid she was, I would watch that.
5: Yeah, it would even be like a 9.8 on IMDb, I'm sure. <laughs> See, next we have Brad Galloway. What if Loras Tyrell has to take the side of the faith in the trial by combat and has to fight the mountain? I've been considering this same option. People have been talking about Clegane Bull, thinking that right. the, the Hound will show up, but he's pretty far off from King's Landing at this point. Yeah. And in order for Ty- for um Loras to redeem himself and atone for his sins maybe he, he will have his own trial by combat and that could include him representing the faith um, fighting the mountain
3: I wonder if they yeah would combine both of them you know yeah it's entirely it's possible both of their trials by combat that would be great and you know we it, it has been a long time but his first scenes were showing what a great fighter fighter he was, he was. Right?
5: Yeah. yeah fighting against Bran of Tarth and um, jousting becoming a jousting mm-hmm. champion um, Clegane he, uh, Gregor yeah, cut cut down his horse, cut the head off his horse, and actually, yeah, that was interesting. I think he was riding, Loris was riding a, a horse in heat at that moment to throw off Gregor <laughs> Clegane's steed. Um, but interestingly enough, since we're talking about Loris and the Hound, the Hound saved Loris from the mountain at that point when the mountain tried to kill Loris, and Loris gave up his title, his victory uh, in that jousting tournament, to the Hound. Leaving Hound the victor. That's where he got all the money, all the gold dragons. It was like ninety ninety thousand gold dragons or something for the hands tournament, and the Brotherhood without Banners stole it from him. But um, yeah, there's some interesting mountain and Loras. All these fight, connections. You know? all yeah, the time. they almost fought mm-hmm. there. It was real close. So maybe mm-hmm. they'll maybe it'll actually happen this time.
3: Alicia Gutsas Stout said, "I had some thoughts after sleeping on it. Perhaps Sansa's not writing to Littlefinger, but to Theon." She knows he would help back the Starks and that they have men to fight. Would he beg Yara to turn the fleet around and go back? Will her raven get intercepted by Ramsay? Ooh. Possibly.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a very
5: interesting thought. She could be saying, Oh, like I was offered the Knights of the Vale and in the in the letter, but I couldn't do it,
4: so you guys can help me. Um this is Victoria Mayer or Meyer and the Hound, my man, is back. Prepare yourselves, you cunts.
5: <laughs> yeah! That's the right sentiment. <laughs> Speaking of the hound and cunts, do you remember the uh, the scene <laughs> with Arya where they were talking about naming swords?
1: Mm-mm. No, Arya, he's
5: like, he's like, what's that, a fucking toothpick? And she's like, no, it's my sword. It's named Needle. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's got a name, does it? And she's like... Yeah, lots of people name their swords. And he goes, lots of cunts.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, nice. Next, we have Jennifer Dennert. She says, for those of you who do not know, the waif was not merciful. <laughs> Gut shots are anything but merciful. Yeah. Slow yeah, down. that is Pits a into slow. It uh, <laughs> Yep.
3: Okay. Now let's do some emails. This is from Jason Weaver. He says, hi guys. Love your show. Am I the only one starting to doubt the legitimacy of death on this show and wondering whether it's starting to compromise its own credibility? Okay. Jon Snow died and came back. We can excuse that one time thing. Red Queen, Lord of Light stuff. Fine. But now the Hound is back, who really should have died, and Arya apparently will likely survive despite being stabbed in the gut, and apparently Benjen Stark was almost made into a White Walker, but wasn't because he was saved by Dragonglass, so add him to the list. you don't want to kill off main characters, fine, then don't, but don't play this is-he-really-dead game with everyone. If you want main characters to get hurt or injured, fine, but don't create unbelievable situations where people survive situations they never could. Everybody else who suffered the Hound or Arya's fate on the show should be dead, but they're not. That really compromises the legitimacy of the show. Just my thoughts. Keep up the good work. I think happy, he has man. a bit of a point, yeah. but there is so much death on the show that it does help to offset. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. And not to nitpick, but
5: um the Jon Snow Lord of Light revival if if you're like it, it's not a one-time thing. There was the uh, the issue, the incident where um, Thoros of Mir revived Beric Dondarian six times in in the uh, third season, I believe it was second or third season. So it it was with and that precedent. just adds to his point exactly. Like, even like, more, yeah, it, it really it does just add to it. Like, yep.
3: So I think yeah, if um, it does start to make it's like in comics you know when superman died never died (laughs) three people it was in the news and stuff but now heroes die all the time and and they and they come back all the time nightcrawler Mm -hmm. died and then he was in heaven and then he just like teleported out of heaven or something
5: (laughs) and even (laughs) superman came back after his death in uh, 93 They all
3: do and so now anytime a hero dies you 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 just wonder okay i wonder when they're going to bring him back
5: <laughs> yep, and um, not to turn you off the books, Jason, but um, there may or may not be more of that in the books, mm-hmm. in spectacular fashion. So read
1: them.
4: <laughs> All right, this is from Chris Erdley, Erdley, Erdley. Sorry, screwed up your name. Um, one, do you think Sansa is preggers? During her conversation with Littlefinger, she said, "I can still feel what he did inside my body," and she. Oh. And she has been making clothes. Oh god, I didn't even think of that. I just thought of brutal pain. I was picturing very horrid, horrid sex acts of pain. Um Yeah. Wow, I, I, I didn't think even it's think it's of like, that.
3: It's more likely that, but it could have been misdirection and she really was talking about it. I thought she was talking about pain too.
4: Yeah, that's so a good I. point so though. Hopefully not. Ugh. Boo. um number two do you guys think davos is going to find out what happened with shireen since they are camped out exactly where she was burnt
5: uh would not surprise me if they stumbled upon the burnt remains of the little yeah. little uh stag that he made her carved her out of wood
3: it, it i would think it would be a missed opportunity if he doesn't find out because it would create so much tension and drama
5: yeah i mean what he could he could freak out and kill Melisandre for all we know right that could sabotage the entire entire north um's operation for you know, yeah if she's I mean, still he might needed. start
3: looking at john a different way too even i don't know maybe not but since she was the one who brought him back
5: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting question i feel like mm-hmm. he's gonna find out somehow i think it'll happen Next we have an email from Sean Bustler who says it's going to be interesting when Theon and the rest of the Ironborn get to Marine and Theon is hanging out with Varys and Grey Worm. Three eunuchs walk into a bar. Jokes will be the rage. <laughs> Tyrion won't even know what to say. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, I think he'll well played. have a thing or two. <laughs> he'll think of something, yeah. Oh.
3: <laughs> All right, we got a few calls. Here's Idris from Florida. What's up, Jason and Peeps? It's Idris. And, um,
2: yeah, I saw this episode. I enjoyed it a lot more than I did the last. I was pretty, uh, hyped when I saw the hound still alive. I knew he was. Um, he's getting ready for, for, for game Bowl. You know, it's going to be pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, this show has a funny way of making you feel bad for people because I pretty much hated, seriously, throughout this whole, through this whole six seasons. But this one, Episode that had the Queen of Thorns just jabbing her, jabbing her, just, just mercilessly jabbing her and I actually felt bad for her. <laughs> it made me feel bad for her. This show really does very well about making you feel bad or feel for people that you should hate. Like I hated Theon at one point. Now I feel bad for him watching all the men get Get, getting down with the hookers and even his sister and he's just sitting around looking like a, a beaten dog and because <laughs> of course he ain't got no dick and balls and he just can't do nothing but it was a nice little touching scene between them when she was making him a drink and she was just showing him you know how she loves him through, her, through the only way she knows how which is to be tough and I really enjoyed that it sucked at the end with um what happened to all those religious folks with uh with the Hound, but, you know, he's turning back in the Hound because he's going to go slaughter those guys. So I can't wait for the next season. Now I got to call some bullshit with uh, what happened with Arya. Okay, Arya goes and pays like a ship captain to take her back to Westeros. And you mean to tell me she's just going to stand out there out in the open when she knows that a bunch of assassins that can change face, <laughs> change faces, excuse me could be anywhere looking around any corner and gets poked up by the wave. Falls in the water. Of course, nobody wants to help her because she's basically like in New York. And <laughs> um, now she's just bleeding and walking. I, I want to call it bullshit because the last episode showed her posting up in a in a place where only one exit in, one exit out with her needle blowing out the, the fire. You mean to tell me she's just going, I'm just going to go for a stroll and get poked up. I call it bullshit. Did not like that. Did not enjoy that. And if she dies, I'm going to be really pissed. But I now, mean, I pretty much enjoyed the, the episode. The blackfish is awesome. Braun is awesome, even though it looked like he had makeup on. I don't know. Ah, yeah. Anyways, enjoyed this. And Jason, I just wanted to say before this vloggo, you have inspired me to start my own podcast. So I would like to say thank you and keep keep it coming, man. All right, man. Later.
4: All right.
3: Thanks, dude.
4: Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I,
3: didn't, I agree. Didn't listen to that whole thing first, but it's nice. Yeah, Jason's the man.
5: (laughs) The ability of this show to make you, to change your emotions regarding different characters. We've seen it happen a bunch of times, you know, where Cersei is just awful and bad, and then she does the shame walk, and all this bad stuff is happening to her, and people are suddenly feeling sympathy and feeling bad about feeling sympathy for such (laughs) a despicable character. You know, it happened with, with Theon, where he's just so awful, and he betrays the people that have raised him and you know given him everything like every piece of clothing and weapon that he has is you know and he just disrespects the whole family and betrays him and then he gets his dick cut off and all this stuff happens to him and he you're developing sympathy for this character it's creating an inner conflict in the in the, the viewer you know how do how do i supposed to feel about this character what am i what am i what are these thoughts you know where are they coming from it happened with jamie you know who First thing we see him do is push Bran out of a window. And then we find out that he basically sacrificed his reputation and broke an oath to, um, you know, when he killed the king in order to save the, the populations of King's Landing from being burned alive by a mad king. And he's lived with the secret because he's sworn to keep the secrets of his king. And, like, he's a sympathetic character that's, you know, you're, you're developing emotional ties for that you were introduced to as being despicable. The same thing with the hound. He's killing the butcher's boy. He's doing all this bad stuff. And you, then you learn about why he is the way he is. And he slowly becomes more and more likable. So it, it's it's a common theme in this show. And it really shows the talent of the writers at, um, you know, portraying gray characters with good things about them and bad things about them. And, you know, having different different emotions and different feels shine through at different times um it's it's talented writing to to change your emotions on characters like that great call
3: yeah and it's 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 a uh, real life because just about anyone you meet even if you think they're an asshole because they didn't put their best foot forward if you got to know them well enough you would like pretty much anyone you meet yeah I, like Melly
5: hutch she was such an asshole when I first met her and I know fucking now Madonna like, now I think she's you know at least pretty cool so.
4: her ego wasn't so huge <laughs> yeah.
3: that's why I'm into Morgan's whole philosophy <laughs> of just don't kill everyone that you meet you know because yeah. uh,
5: you may need them later
3: yeah and, and also you know people are complicated and It's true. You you spend enough time around somebody, you're going to find something to connect on. So it's great when a show will show that that's just the way it is. Although I did not feel bad for Cersei in this scene; I thought she was getting exactly what she deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Same with me. Same with
5: me. I haven't felt any sympathy for Cersei. I
3: did in the in the whole walk of shame thing a little bit. Oh yeah, that was horrible. Yeah,
5: I feel like I should lie and say I did, but I really didn't. That's okay. Unfortunately,
3: you can be cruel and callous. <laughs> <laughs> just
6: kidding. All right, wow. here's our next
3: call. This is Jen from San Diego.
6: Hey, it's Jen from San Diego. Hi, Jason and Hello. Duncan and Melissa, I think. Um hey. anyway, it's been a long time since like, I called into any of the podcasts, but this episode I just felt the need to finally make a phone call. So I hope I make it in. Anyway, first um the episode's title is Broken Man. I just love trying to figure out the meanings behind the titles. I'm not a book reader. So I'm um, just trying to figure these little puzzles out, just kind of it's like a, my own little game. But anyway, um, so awesome to see the hound that gave me the serious feels. And I believe Sandor was the primary meaning behind the episode's title, The Broken Man. Um, but seriously, that group he was with was way, way too perfect, and their septin was just too relaxed and uninhibited. I could tell nothing good was going to come out from that situation. And we know what <laughs> happened soon after that bad news. I can't wait to see what happens after. I think we can expect Sandor and Gregor to come face-to-face pretty much, 100%. Um, The other broken man in this episode, Theon. Um, After Yara's intervention talk with him, it was great to see the glimmer of the former Theon in his eyes. That was kind of like wild. Um, Anyway, and then second favorite point of the show was Aria oh my god it's kind of obvious I'm sure it's been spoken about a million times at this point but when that waif stabbed her I nearly, it nearly sucked the air out of the room for me I think she'll find her <laughs> way back to the actress though and she'll be taken care of and seek revenge on that waif at least that's what I hope she does because I hate that waif I know hate is a strong word but oh, I can't stand seeing her when I see her all I can see is Woody Harrelson with the middle part Bob yuck um, third, loved that bitch plot in that happiness <laughs> episode between Lady and Lena telling Cersei what's up and Lady Marmont putting Sansa and John in their places. <laughs> that was hilarious. But, um, yeah, that Lady Marmont is a piece of work. Anyway, lastly, I'm going to fit my remaining episode favorite into a haiku. So here I go. King Slayer, a disappointment. Blackfish su- shuts him down. Mic drop. Anyway, that's it. Um, great listening to you guys every week, and I'm going to leave you with my raven. <laughs> <sighs> How was that? Anyway, oh, all good. right. I will be on next I week, that I that think. I'm looking here. forward to that. So talk to you guys later. love you. Bye. <laughs>
3: nice. It, it is now.
4: <laughs> yeah, I like it. They should totally... I can do a pretty good raven. Anyway. Let's hear
3: oh,
1: Nice. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That was really
4: good. Wow. Thanks. Well there I'm telling I am a weirdo. I love birds and I imitate what like, I love most. You are a voice actor. You're a professional. I do
3: do
5: yeah. that. <laughs> that was really good though. Yeah, it was. It was Can you do it again, please?
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh
4: <wow. laughs> oh. Awesome. on how big your how big your raven is. <laughs> I that's, that's so great. egotist. Again, there's my ego. Again, I didn't mean to like <laughs> overshadow Jen from San Diego. I can do a no, raven no.
5: too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, Jen got the whole thing started. I'm sure she's proud. Yeah, yeah
5: definitely. <laughs> she got she got you to do one. Um, but yeah, you also you're not a faceless man, so you don't have to be no one. You you're allowed to have an <laughs> right, ego. Right, right, right. Uh,
3: <laughs> All right, one more call. It's Bill from New Hampshire.
7: Hey, game of microphoneers This is Bill from New Hampshire. I just wanted to chime in with a quick message. Um, and I don't know if this is entirely obvious or, or it's I don't really seem to find much on the web about it. Just a couple hints, but I feel like with the uh Cersei's upcoming trial by combat, um, who else do you think is going to go up against the mountain? Pregnant pause. It's got to be the Hound. I mean, can you imagine that, that <laughs> moment is going to be awesome. You're going to see the, the mountain standing out there, and it's going to be a panning up from the bottom, and you're going to be like, holy shit, it's the Hound. It's going to be the first time we see him back and then uh, I'm, I'm maybe we'll get his backstory after that the only thing that sucks is I really <laughs> I can just imagine that it's part of that cliffhanger at the end of this season so um, that is going to be an awesome moment and probably in typical George RR Martin style uh, the Hound will get to win but um, can you imagine that there's going to be that moment where the Hound could kill the Mountain which should therefore be kind of killing Cersei too I guess right I don't know uh, it should be cool anyway thanks guys uh, keep taking ass love it bye
5: yeah, how about that if if the if it does end up being Cleganebowl Bull and the Hound takes out the Mountain simultaneously, you know, being becoming a Kinslayer and killing Cersei. That would mean the end of Cersei. What do you think? Jamie's not around. Is she going to die? Is she going to be put to death by the establishment, the uh, the religious establishment?
3: It's possibility. Yeah. I mean, I really uh, I feel yeah. like um the show does need to do something like that in these last seasons so that it can retain some of its former kind of personality, you know, that that started with the episode nine of season one and Ned Stark. So that would be a, a way to retain some of that. Just shock yeah. and surprise.
5: I feel like it would be, um, it'd be poetic. Like she has it coming, you know, being yeah. put down. Although it would be nice to see somebody who she's really wronged who need who wants that vengeance to get the shot like Arya or something like that. And if it was Loras for instance who's in the uh, you know who's being held prisoner who ends up representing the faith and fighting the mountain and kills him, then that also takes away the Hound's shot at it. You know, so mhm uh like either either well, the Hound could, gets his shot and yeah. nobody else gets a crack at Cersei or somebody else gets a crack at Cersei and the Hound doesn't get a shot or, you know, who knows? I mean, one but, thing
3: is they're setting it up so that it seems le- like, like, uh, that a lot of people would be wondering right now, Oh, is the Hound going to fight Gregor Clegane in the trial by combat for Cersei? So that would be a reason not to do it that way because it's what's sort of expected, you know? And they mm-hmm. like to surprise you, so they may. I, I do think they'll come together, but just because of that, I think it might be in some other unforeseen circumstances.
5: How about this? What if the Hound goes north and meets up with Sansa and joins the the North to to fight against the White Walkers? Gregor Clegane wins the battle of the uh, the um, the trial by combat, and then they everybody faces off against the White Walkers, but. While they're on the same side, supposedly humans versus whites, Gregor and Sandor meet then, and there's a, some type of confrontation. Right. Um, just, just throwing it out there. Oh man! I, speaking of the trial by combat, I had a really, I heard an interesting idea the other day that this, the High Sparrow will kind of flip the script on Cersei, and um, instead of doing the traditional one-on-one trial by combat. There's this scenario from the uh, the Duncan Egg novellas called The Trial by Seven and it's it's basically a trial by combat but with 7 versus 7. So considering that the faith of the seven is kind of taken hold now and that everybody knows that Gregor is like a walking abomination, I think that the High Sparrow is going to do anything he can to prevent Cersei from having that edge over the competition, which could include Flipping the script, like I said, on the trial by combat and taking away her total advantage by introducing a team battle. Essentially, Mm -hmm. how
3: crazy would that be? Be pretty cool to watch. Yeah. All right, that was awesome, and now it's time for our brand new section that I've been really looking forward to. And Duncan named it. What'd you name it, Duncan?
5: Still smug
1: (laughs) book talk section. (laughs)
3: Yeah, that's right. We're not through. Well, I've never been smug because I haven't read the books, but I've been smug anyway. But uh, anyway, the point <laughs> is that there's still plenty to talk about even though that Game of Thrones has mostly caught up to where the books are. There's still a lot of different ways that the reading the books can inform what's going on in the show, right?
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely, and so. I'll be covering uh, quite a bit of that tonight, so so that's you going you're going
3: he's going to be recording that later but he's but we're going to stick it in and you're going to hear it right now.
5: Hello everybody, you're listening to the Game of Microphones podcast and we would like to welcome you to our new Still Smug Book Talk section. Still smug, you ask, and the answer is a resounding yes because even though the show has largely surpassed the books at this point, Book readers can still sit smug and satisfied with their knowledge of thousands of years of the history, tradition, custom, and lore of Planetos, and their ability to spout off the top of their heads the house sigils, words, and major information about the great houses of Westeros. However, don't be taken aback, because here, smug is just a joke that refers to the way that book readers have been referred to throughout the years that Game of Thrones has aired on TV. Here, everybody is welcome to enjoy the kind of insight and analysis that can be provided by a knowledge of the books. However, there will be major spoilers ahead, including big events that have happened in the books that haven't yet happened on the TV show. So if you're afraid of spoilers, I would advise not listening to this section of the show. And while book readers may have a deeper context to help them understand events as they unfold on the TV show, it's important to remember that at this point, everybody's pretty much on the same page. I know book readers are consistently surprised and shocked by things that happen on the TV show now, so it's cool for once for all of us to be experiencing something new together. Anyway, I am Sir Duncan the Fearsome, Lord of Castle Sterling and Bearer of the Valyrian Steel Greatsword, Dark Warrior, and I will be your host for the still-smug book talk section. Today we'll be covering Season 6, Episode 7, The Broken Man. And this made me very excited just hearing the title. I immediately thought of Sandor Clegane, Um, so I went into this episode anticipating a potential return of the Hound. So, so cool. I love the Hound. He's one of my favorite, one of my top five characters for A Song of Ice and Fire. And that's that's a, that's a quite a bold statement because there are so many different characters. But the Hound, to me, sticks out for a number of reasons. Um, I find his character to be one of the most complex and deepest psychologically that we've um, experienced. And I feel like he's been really, really fleshed out. Um, in a way that a lot of characters haven't, even though he's a secondary character. So it was really, really exciting for me to see him come back on screen. And of course, how can we talk about the Hound without talking about the gravedigger theory from the books? As you guys know, Brienne meets up with Sir Hyle Hunt and Septon Marybald with his dog, Dog, as they are moving through the Riverlands on their quest to find Arya and Sansa. So, well, Sansa specifically at this point. But Septon Marybald leads them to a place called the Quiet Isle, where they find a brotherhood of monks. And the elder brother is leading them through the the monastery area, and they pass a guy who is just a monstrous dude. Big guy um, with his face covered, at least partially covered, in the fashion of a novice monk of this order. And interestingly, Septon Marybald's dog runs over to the guy, and the guy bends down and scratches it behind the ears, and the dog just seems to love this dude. And he doesn't speak because these monks have taken vows of silence. But he's got a gimpy leg, and he's kind of hobbling around. He's a huge, huge guy digging a grave, and he just kind of sticks out. They don't really talk about him much. He's just kind of there. They briefly mention him, um, and things move on. You know, we, we pass on by him but then we discover that the hound's horse his destrier or war horse is located at this monastery and if you remember anything about this horse it's interesting because this is a very bad tempered horse even Arya stark couldn't lead this horse away um, when she was alone with it after sandor was left for dead so And she had been around it for months on their their journey through the riverlands. So I highly doubt that, you know, the hound would die and that these these monks, you know, one of these monks could stumble upon this horse and lead it for miles back to this, this monastery without it resisting or running or anything. There's no way that a monk could capture this horse and bring it back without being kicked in the face and brutalized because this is a war horse. Not just a war horse, it's the hound's warhorse, who is particularly vicious and untamable and only subservient to the hound. So there's a clue there that not all is as it seems. The elder brother goes on to talk to Brienne, and she basically tells him, oh, I'm looking for, you know, a maiden of three and ten, the whole auburn hair, Sansa Stark thing, and I'm also looking for the hound. And the elder brother is kind of taken aback by this and says, the hound, what do you what are you looking for the hound for? She says straight up, I'm going to kill him. You know, Uh, he was spotted with, with a Stark girl and um, you know, she's got a bone to pick. So the Septon or the, uh, the uh, monk brother tells her basically that, oh, well the hound is dead and Sandor Clegane is at rest. And that's a very cryptic um, way of describing the situation. It could be looked at metaphorically. Basically saying that the uh, Sandor Clegane is at rest. His persona, the Hound, is dead. You know, the Hound is no more. But Sandor has found peace and is at rest psychologically. So, since they didn't say, since he didn't say Sandor is dead, there, that brought speculation that he may not, in fact, be dead. And what do you know, the gravedigger you know, further back in the monastery bears a striking resemblance to uh, to the Hound himself. So he also knows a lot of details about the Hound himself. He, The elder brother says, basically, he found the Hound sitting under a tree, dying, in the process of dying. He tells Brienne that the Hound, you know, he knows all about the Hound. He knows the Hound hated his brother, that he lived, you know, his, his whole motivation was hatred and he wanted to kill his brother. That's all he thinks about. He knows that he was with Arya Stark. It seems like he has too much information to have just had a brief conversation with the Hound as he was dying. It seems like this is a conversation that continued for quite a while where he learned quite a bit about the Hound, quite a bit about what was happening, the circumstances of his injury and all of this um, information that he wouldn't know from just a quick interaction with a guy who's on the brink of death so all of this seems to suggest that the hound is not in fact dead but he is at this monastery on the quiet aisle serving as a novice for this order of monks and currently digging graves so i mean it's 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 pretty conclusive um the guy's got a limp he's the the size of the hound the dog likes him which is a trait of the hound you know they're they came from a kennel family um they they've got 3 hounds on their their house sigil dogs are associated with with uh, the clagane family so it's pretty interesting to see or to you know to hear all of this in the books and then all of a sudden to have confirmation of the hounds existence on the show as still being alive i can't even tell you how excited i am about this <laughs> It's gonna be great to see what happens. Um, I really want him to have the chance to to face off against the mountain and finally get his his vengeance and his peace that he deserves. Because, I mean, on a surface, he's a gruff, horrible guy. Like I said in in the main body of the podcast, but deep down, he's a good guy. You know he he's he's more of a true knight than most of the knights in Westeros at this point he's just so um so mad at the establishment and and like the knights that are around because they're all vain they're not chivalrous they're you know they're cutthroats and will just obey orders and you know swear oaths to anybody and um he's got more of a moral foundation under there but he doesn't necessarily know how to to deal with it or how to uh, express it. So hopefully this monk order in the books will have a really good effect on his psyche and enable him to continue on his redemptive arc. And I'm hoping that the same thing happens in TV show. Obviously he's in with this Septon, Septon Ray and he's being told, you know, it's never too late to be a good person to do good. And it's, you know, it's never too late to come back. So I'm hoping that, we get to see some positive action from the hound moving forwards, which is an exciting prospect to say the least. If you guys like the hound, like I do, um, I want to recommend a good listen for you. There is a podcast called podcast. No, it's sorry. called radio Westeros hosted by yoke boy and lady Guinevere. And they do a series of character profiles. One of which is covers the hound. And, um, it's really, really well done comprehensive character study of the hound and if you don't necessarily have an appreciation for the character at this point, I highly recommend listening to it just to to expose yourself to um you know the the depth and nuance of this fascinating creation of george R r martin and If you are a fan of the hound, I guarantee you this will only make you appreciate um, his character even more and understand his his pain. And it's, it's it's a really emotional listen. Like something about the Hound just really tugs on my heartstrings. He's such a tormented soul and I just really want to see him get justice and get the redemptive arc that he deserves. So I hope you guys check it out. Um, not to pump other podcasts, but hey, this isn't a competition. Um, you know, we cover Game of Thrones really well. Other podcasts do book studies that are great. So check out Radio Westeros and their study of Sandor Clegane. It's really, really good. So on to more from this current episode of Game of Thrones, The Broken Man. We have the River Run Siege taking place. And uh, this is great. It's a callback to the... Books four and five of A Song of Ice and Fire, where Jamie is sent off into the Riverlands and ends up at River Run, where he parlays with the blackfish. And um, certain things happen in this episode that happen in the books, which are great crossovers, including Jamie's interaction with Ryman Frey. He basically comes upon their their setup, their pathetic little siege that they have going on, and sees that the Freys are threatening to hang Edmure Tully if the Blackfish doesn't give up the castle. And naturally, the Blackfish, total badass, isn't going to do it. So showing what pussies they truly are, the Freys back down and do not slit Edmure's throat or hang him, and in the books, as you guys know, this happens like daily. there. Every day they put him up at the gibbet and threaten to hang him. And it's just completely pathetic. The phrase are just useless. So it's hilarious to see Jamie come up and just take over, say, oh, well, the Siege is under my, con- my control now, my command. And um, somebody's, he's like, only a fool makes threats. They're not prepared to back up. And Ryman Frey turns to him and starts, you know, saying something back to him. And he's like, he basically says, Listen, you know, what if what if I threatened to hit you if you don't stop talking? All right? What would you what would you do in that circumstance? And so Ryman you know, spouts off saying, Well, I don't care and boom, Jamie smacks him upside the head with a golden plated or a solid gold backheaded pimp slap. That just made me made me laugh so goddamn hard. it was hilarious to see this scene come to life on the screen I'm sure all the book readers out there were just loving this moment um it's it's you know anytime you get to see Frey put in their place it's good good action and it's good to see Jamie do it himself because you know, especially in the books he's on quite a redemptive arc and you know, the, when Roose Bolton stabbed uh, Rob at the Red Wedding, at least in the show, he said Jamie Lannister sends his regards. So it's good to see Jamie on sort of opposite sides than the phrase for once and um, putting those stupid little bastards in their places, which was awesome. So Jamie goes on to parlay with the Blackfish, and it plays out fairly similarly in the books but there are a few minor differences. I can't remember all of the details, but I seem to remember the Blackfish having the edge over Jamie in the books as well, which is hilarious to see on screen because Jamie comes across as such a badass and just is dominating the phrase while they're, you know, having their little bitch slap interaction there and the phrase are so weak and so pathetic. And Jamie's talking with the blackfish, and the blackfish just dominates him, and it's a total reversal of of um, what we just saw, you know. Like the blackfish says, you know, I came out here, got got to see you in person, and measure, like you you know, get your measurement, like size you up, and I'm disappointed, brother, you know. Like, you know, I was I thought you were gonna be you know more tough and everything than you are, so it was pretty funny to see that on screen. And we move on to one of the coolest book um, book crossovers that we've seen so far. You may remember her from her letter to Stannis Baratheon where she wrote, Bear Island knows no king but the king in the north whose name is Stark. She is young lady, Leanna Mormont, and she is awesome on the show. Oh, my God. I can't express enough how great this little actress was in this role and just comes across as so commanding and so powerful and so knowledgeable and sharp. And um, I mean, obviously this is a character from the books who has got a lot of fanfare, even though she's only ever mentioned just for a couple seconds when we hear about, about the, uh, the letter that she sends to Stannis in response to his asking the Mormont family to bend the knee um, so I don't know. I mean, it was just, it just played out hilariously and intensely. And it was great to see happen on the screen. where uh, you know, we actually got a face for the, uh, the name Liana Mormont and she did not disappoint one bit, you know, and she ends up, uh, you know, doing the right thing, realizing that the, uh, the threat is the white walkers and the whites from up North. And she says, House Mormont has kept faith with the House Stark for over a thousand years. We will not break faith today. And being a small house, all they can offer is 62 soldiers. But, you know, those bears are um, as good as 10 regular men, so it'll be good to see them in action. Also, very interestingly, in this episode, we see the return of the Brotherhood Without Banners. Surprisingly... um, they don't seem quite as friendly to the small folk as they used to be back in season two, but that could be the result of a change of leadership, as book readers know. And what does that mean? If we get more in-depth with the, band of the Brotherhood Without Banners this year, we could very well see Lady Stoneheart on screen. I would be shocked to see this. I thought that the perfect time to have that happen would have been the first episode of season five. Um, but, I mean, it's of course it's welcome now. I would love to see it go down on screen. So there is hope for Lady Stoneheart on HBO's Game of Thrones. This really was a great episode, and I can't believe how lucky I am to be able to podcast on the episode where we see the return of the Hound. The, uh, the broken man theme really came through a lot in this episode in various forms. You know, we saw Sandor Clegane, who's a broken man, um, come back a little less broken, hopefully. And at the beginning of a big redemption arc, we got to see Theon who's also just so broken, devastatingly. So, and, you know, his sister told him that it's not too late. You can come back. I need you to be Theon Greyjoy again, not Reek. But the um, as the, uh, the title of the episode is The Broken Man, I thought that it would be appropriate to read a segment from the books where the broken man comes from. I mentioned earlier Septon Maribald with Brienne and Sir Hyle Hunt And uh, they're walking along on the road, and this occurrence takes place where Septon Mary Bald kind of goes on a monologue about broken men. And, um, yeah, without any further ado, I will read a passage from the book. Back on the road, the Septon said, We would do well to keep a watch tonight, my friends. The villagers say they've seen three broken men skulking round the dunes west of the old watchtower. Only three, Sir Hyle smiled. Three is honey to our sword's wench. They're not like to trouble armed men. Unless they're starving, the septon said. There is food in these marshes, but only for those with the eyes to find it. And these men are strangers here, survival survivors from some battle. If they should accost us, sir, I beg you, leave them to me. What will you do with them? Feed them? Ask them to confess their sins so that I might forgive them? Invite them to come with us to the quiet isle? That's as good as inviting them to slit our throats as we sleep, Hyle Hunt replied. Lord Randall has better ways to deal with broken men, steel and hempen rope. Sir, my lady, said Podrick, is a broken man an outlaw? More or less, Brienne answered. Septon Maribald disagreed. More less than more. There are many sorts of outlaws, just as there are many sorts of birds— A sandpiper and a sea eagle both have wings, but they're not the same. The singers love to sing of good men forced to go outside the law to fight some wicked lord, but most outlaws are more like this ravening hound than they are the lightning lord. They're evil men, driven by greed, soured by malice, despising the gods and caring only for themselves. Broken men are more deserving of our pity, though they may be just as dangerous." Almost all are common-born, simple folk who had never been more than a mile from the house where they were born until the day some lord came round to take them off to war. Poorly shod and poorly clad, they march away beneath his banners, oft-times with no better arms than a sickle or a sharpened hoe, or a maul they made themselves by lashing a stone to a stick with strips of hide. Brothers march off with brothers, sons with fathers, friends with friends— They've heard the songs and stories, so they go off with eager hearts, dreaming of the wonders they will see, of the wealth and glory they will win. War seems a fine adventure, the greatest most of them will ever know. Then they get a taste of battle. For some, that one taste is enough to break them. Others go on for years until they lose count of all the battles they've fought in, but even a man who has survived a hundred fights can break in his hundred and first. Brothers watch their fathers die. Fathers lose their sons. Friends see their friends trying to hold their entrails in after they've been gutted by an axe. They see the lord who led them there cut down, and some other lord shouts that they are his now. They take a wound, and while that's still half-healed, they take another. There is never enough to eat. Their shoes fall to pieces from the marching. Their clothes are torn and rotting and half of them are shitting in their breeches from drinking bad water. If they want new boots, or a warmer cloak, or maybe a rusted iron half-helm, they need to take them from a corpse, and before long they're stealing from the living too, from the small folk whose lands they're fighting in, men very like the men they used to be. They slaughter their sheep and steal their chickens, and from there it's a short step to carrying off their daughters too. And one day they look around and realize all their friends and kin are gone, that they are fighting beside strangers beneath a banner that they hardly recognize. They don't know where they are or how to get back home, and the lord they're fighting for does not know their names, yet here he comes, shouting for them to form up, to make a line with their spears and scythes and sharpened hoes, to stand their ground, and the knights come down on them, faceless men clad all in steel, and the iron thunder of their charge seems to fill the world. And the man breaks. He turns and runs, or crawls off afterward over the corpses of the slain, or steals away in the black of night, and he finds some place to hide. All thought of home is gone by then, and kings and lords and gods mean less to him than a haunch of spoiled meat that will let him live another day or a skin of bad wine that might drown his fear for a few hours. The broken man lives from day to day, from meal to meal, more beast than man. Lady Brienne is not wrong. In times like these, the traveler must beware of broken men and fear them, but he should pity them as well. When Mary Bald was finished, a profound silence fell upon their little band. Brand could hear the wind rustling through a clump of pussy willows, and farther off the faint cry of a loon. She could hear Dog panting softly as he loped along beside the septon and his donkey, tongue lolling from his mouth. Quiet stretched and stretched, until finally she said, "'How old were you when they marched you off to war?' "'Why, no older than your boy,' Mary Bald replied. "'Too young for such, in truth. But my brothers were all going.' and I would not be left behind. Willem said I could be his squire, though Will was no knight, only a pot boy armed with a kitchen knife he'd stolen from the inn. He died upon the stepstones, and never struck a blow. It was fever did for him, and for my brother Robin. Owen died from a mace that split his head apart, and his friend John Pox was hanged for rape. The War of the Ninepenny Kings... Asked Hyle Hunt So they called it Though I never saw a king Nor earned a penny It was a war, though That it was So I will leave you with that The Broken Man monologue From A Feast for Crows By George R. R. Martin Well, thank you guys for listening I hope you enjoyed the uh, Still Smug book talk for this week I'm your host, Sir Duncan the Fearsome, Lord of Castle Sterling, and Bearer of the Valyrian Steel Great Sword Dark Warrior. Hope you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you again next week. Back to you, Jason.
3: All right, we're back, and I'm sure that was fucking amazing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my throat hurts. <laughs> oh, so much talking. And now it's time for next week on Game of Thrones. So if you, uh, this is little things like from IMDb and the the little clip, that teaser clip that they played. So if you don't like hearing any of that kind of stuff that's slightly spoilery, then you should probably just move ahead to the next section. But season six, episode eight is next week. It's called No One, which I would say probably is about Arya, which is awesome. It's directed by Mark Mylod, who directed this week's episode and season five episodes, High Sparrow and Sons of the Harpy. For some reason, I can't find who wrote it. It's not listed anywhere. The blurb says Tyrion seeks a strange ally. Bran learns a great deal. Brienne goes on a mission. Arya is given a chance to prove herself. So Bran learns a great deal, I think anytime Bran learns anything, we're usually learning a lot too. So I'm excited about that. And I think it might have something to do with Leanna Stark, possibly Rhaegar Targaryen, um, maybe some other bastard. Then Brienne goes on a mission. I think that's her getting back to help blackfish. And uh, we see her in confrontation with Jamie in the clip for next week. So he's, Brienne is saying to Jamie, should I fail to persuade the blackfish to surrender and if you attack the castle, honor compels me to fight you? So they're at odds, which is pretty exciting considering what they've been through together. Um, Arya given a chance to prove herself. I that sounds like what we've been seeing, you know, she's been proving herself to Jack and Hagar, so I wonder if it's more of that or there's somebody else who she's proving herself to. I don't know. And then I'm just glad. I don't know about Tyrion Seeks a Strange Ally, who that is. But I'm glad Tyrion's in it because Tyrion has been missing for the last couple of weeks. So it'll be good to see him. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want us to see the clip, you could just go on and watch it. I was going to talk a little bit about it, but.
4: But you gave up. <laughs> I threw in the towel.
3: I think Duncan stopped listening because he doesn't want spoilers.
5: Oh, uh, that is correct. But I was uh, kind of unplugging my ears every couple of seconds to see when you were done. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I I, w- I wanted to hear what you had to say about some of that stuff. But <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. I I can't can't.
5: If it's funny, even though I like have you know I've read the books and everything. I even leading up to places where I'd already known things were happening i'd I'd never watch the uh next week on for Game of Thrones or anything i I just hate being spoiled
3: but you but, uh, uh were spoiled on a lot of stuff just by oh wait no because you didn't start reading the books until season yeah, four. until season four did you get past the where the show was ever i did I did and you kept um, reading
5: mm-hmm season five started um and I had a good leg up on it um but I still didn't watch the like next week on. I didn't. I love being surprised on TV. You know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I'm sorry I couldn't contribute. No, to it's that okay. section.
3: I get it. You you have your principles. <laughs>
5: <laughs> A man of my word. <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're not sly or not clever like you. Southerners. Not clever
5: like you Southerners. When we say we'll <laughs> do something, we do it. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm sure uh, it it rankles. Jon Snow to be called a Southerner too
5: yeah right how funny <laughs> is that it's all relative
3: alright that's our show episode 22 thanks for listening everybody thank you guys for coming on that was a lot of fun yeah. thank you for
5: having me I'm so happy to be on this podcast
3: good man <laughs> you, you, you killed you, it you, <laughs> yeah, you you killed it, and I knew you, you would because you're so into the show and you know so much. And uh, I mean, I love having both of you guys because you're so much fun to podcast with. So thanks again for coming on; I appreciate it.
5: Thank you. Yeah, I love Definitely. our dynamic.
3: And uh, if you guys want to call us, you can call us at eight one three five six three three seven three nine. That's eight one three Joffrey.
5: <laughs> yes.
4: Uh, if you'd like to write in, you can email us at game at podcastica.com
5: and make sure to check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash g-o-m podcast
3: or you can just search for game of microphones on facebook and be sure to check out our other great podcasts at podcastica.com next week is going to be me my friend jen and grace of grace and mr blog so that would be fun
5: and another little book talk section by yours truly.
3: That's right. Yeah, I meant to mention that. So going forward, you're going to be doing those, which is which is totally awesome, and I feel fortunate to have you doing that. So thanks again. Thank you. All right. That's our show.
4: Thanks for listening.
3: And don't forget, a Lannister always pays his... Don't
4: say it. Don't fucking say it. Uh, with the music, and then we see Ian McShane, and then all of a sudden we see the hound and i was like oh shit i knew it oh
3: the hound on (laughs) cue the
4: hound (laughs) i know (laughs) that's very appropriate good timing um
3: she just says whatever the fuck is on her mind and doesn't give a shit
4: dragon white breathing ice fire yeah ice fire oh oh